Hello and welcome to the Q York podcast. It's great to have you with us today and we hope that as you listen, you'll be inspired as we continue on our shared quest together. This podcast is entirely free and yet it's not cheap to put together and wouldn't be possible without the generosity of our supporters. So if you consider yourself a supporter of Q, then please head to qyork.co.uk and hit donate to show your support today because there really is no Q without you. Thank you and enjoy today's message. Hi, everybody. How are you? Well, welcome to Q Church tonight. We're glad to see you all. And uh, we hope you're going to learn something. And... Um, you know, you may have noticed from that clip we've just shown that there is a bit of an emphasis on the whole issue of good and bad, and uh, we're going to sort of tackle that tonight. Um, so, over the last few weeks, we've been looking at what it means to say yes to life. Um, no one's asking you to be a yes man. Do you remember that clip we've shown where he's saying yes to everything? But we were challenging the fact that we can be negatively wired and therefore gravitate to a no rather than a yes. And I hope that many of you have sort of been challenged this last week to maybe go against your normal trajectory and to maybe defy gravity and uh, go against what you normally do in life and maybe say yes instead of your normal no. So we were looking last week at the gospel according to Forrest Gump and when all around seemed negative, he seemed to have a heart posture um, that he was open to whatever showed up. He wasn't bound by preconceptions or fixed ideas of what should be, but rather seized opportunity wherever it fell at his feet. So some of us get stuck in the process because we ask, why would we say yes to things that we don't like. And that's obvious, isn't it? We, we would say, well, you know, surely the right response is to say no uh, to that which we don't like. And that's a fair question. But what we learned is that resistance or our no's actually close down alternative possibilities that's available. And we get stuck when we believe things should be a certain way. We can miss miracles that present themselves because we're paralysed by, by our internal resistance to what is. So, saying yes to life is about being receptive. It's about being present. It's about listening. It's about being willing. Saying yes to life is about challenging our autonomy, our auto no, me. <laughs> I couldn't say it then for a minute. I forgot what it was. My automatic no that is attached uh, to my caveman brain, that sense of need to survive. Saying yes to life is surrendering. It's stopping the fight with life, realising that life isn't conspiring against me, but it's actually working with me for my good. Sometimes this is hard to see, especially when what we are experiencing is very painful. We were just singing a minute ago, it's a beautiful, messed up world because we look at its beauty, but then on the other side of the coin, there's all this pain and, and struggle and, and difficulty that goes on and trying to reconcile it is what becomes 
the difficulty. So tonight we're going to tackle our ideas about what is good and is bad. Are we really qualified to decide what is good or bad? Interestingly enough, the Christian creation story, we told very clearly the eating of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil wasn't the way to live life. And yet, good and bad is how most people measure how they should live and how things should be. Think about it. Even with the way we bring up our children, it's usually, this is good, this is bad, and it seems to be an obvious, correct way of being. But in fact, it's not always the right way to go. So sure, there are things we would rather not go through or choose to happen. But here's the question, who knows? We'll see. When we get locked into judgments of the moment, we miss miracles that could be ours. Good and bad are incomplete stories that we tell ourselves. And life is complex. It's impossible to tell when anything happens to us, whether it's good or bad. You never know the consequences of misfortune in the same way you never know the consequences of good fortune. But regardless of where we are in life, there is always hope. Hope remains, but we will see tonight that hope is not something that works backwards. It's no good hoping that the past didn't happen. That is where hope actually will always fail us. Hope is not rooted in positive outcomes, but in the understanding of the I am in every moment it propels us forward to the next moment to a new day. So tonight we're going to start our journey by listening to a TED talk and uh, we have taken a very small bit out of a very long story and if you want to uh, look at it you can do, I'll give you the link but it's about you know half an hour long but we've taken about three minutes out of it but it's a beautiful story and uh, we join it where basically, uh, after a life of very incredible hardship, of a life of horrible sexual abuse, and, and experience of the death of her father at a very early age, she had found happiness and healing in the form of marriage and the birth of a son. And all that brought into her life such a wonderful period until one day she realises that she has to go this circle again. And this is where we join the story. What will she bring to the table this time? Can things be different this time? Listen and see how in the most difficult circumstances, she still said yes to life. And we pray that it will inspire you on your journey to continue, continue practicing saying yes to life. There we go. Um, in, um, in the Apostle Paul's pretty great thesis that um, he wrote to a bunch of guys in a place called Corinth that was addressing just about everything about life from culture to sexuality to everything, he, um, he, he, he summarised something right in the middle in chapter 13. And um, my summary of his summary would be this, that when you strip away everything that's just stuff, necessary stuff maybe, important stuff even, maybe, but when you strip away everything that's just 
stuff, only three things remain. Faith, hope, and love. The only three things that you need to grasp in order to have a good and successful life. The thing is, when we look at those, our understanding of those three things has become very limited. And I, I have to say, having been brought up in the church, that I think those subject matters have been hijacked and to some degree distorted. And uh, we're trying to recover and take back some of the real definitions of of those aspects, even of love. You know, the whole pressure of historic Christianity was God loves you, but it's all based on how much you love God. So therefore, all the pressure is off God and all the pressure's on you. And so we all go around with some sense of shame and guilt because we have to somehow please this God who if we don't please him, even though he's loving, uh, will chuck us into a fire for all eternity, all that kind of stuff, which I, I don't buy into that understanding or interpretation you know because we even miss the point that the major part of love is not how much you love but it's how much you are loved and the more that you understand that and you begin to live in that and let your life be saturated with that love the more everything else comes together but but um uh, in in line with what we're talking about tonight i wanted to talk to you a little bit about what i call the middle child because um Hope is the middle child. You'll hear a lot of talk, even in Christian circles, about love and about faith, but you hear very little said about hope. And yet, uh, hope's like the hinge on which faith and love actually work. And the truth is, where we are absent of hope, we become something that we're familiar with. We become hopeless, and life becomes hopeless. What do you think we mean when we say the situation is hopeless? It means that somewhere in there, hope got lost. And what we've seen in that video about the guy with the horse and the sun and everything is a lot about the recovery of hope. Now, now, what's interesting is that hope doesn't work backwards. Come on. I'm going to tell some of you, be very personal. Here's, here's your problem. Can I tell you your problem? Yeah. You're hoping that what happened didn't happen. And that is pointless hope... Because what happened, happened. And no matter how much you sit around, no matter how much you hope that that had not happened, or you hoped your life had not turned out to be the way it is, or you hoped this hadn't been the circumstance, that is wasted energy because hope does not work backwards. But hope is very powerful. I love the phrase of the guy who knows. We'll see. Now the problem is for most of us, that comes over as a negative. But you see, to that man, who knows, we'll see, was not an expression of pessimism, but a demonstration of hope. Well, who knows? We'll see. Every situation, well, who knows? We'll see. It wasn't pessimism, but it was a demonstration of hope. You see, hope puts a comma where you would have placed a full stop. Or for our American friends who will be watching this, guys, a period, okay? We don't use that word, it means something else here, but for you guys I'll use it, okay? Hope puts a comma where you would have placed a full stop. Let me give you an illustration. People have left me, full stop. It's very different to people have left me, comma. See, one is an end and the other is a part of something yet to come. 
I do not trust, full stop, is very different from I do not trust, comma. I'm facing a divorce, full stop, is very different to I'm facing a divorce, comma. You see, one of them gives a space for something else yet to be. And the truth is, without hope, we have closed down our lives because with every situation, we put a full stop and then there is no hope. When you put a comma in a sentence, it says there's still something yet to be said about this that has not yet been said. But if I put a comma instead of a full stop, I'm making space for that to be said. I also want to help you to say that certainty is the destroyer of hope. Too many of us are looking for certainty in life. Well, guess what? You can't have it. Life is not certain. Stuff happens. People happen. Circumstances happen. Horses run off and come back. And boys ride horses and break legs. And boys don't go to war. But then all of those things, certainty is the destroyer of hope. Stop looking for certainty and start reaching down for hope. See, the other thing about faith is that faith's role is the embracing of possibility over probability. Remember, love, hope, faith. What faith does, it allows you to embrace possibility over probability. Hope allows faith to embrace possibility over probability. You see, again, most of us in our lives, stuff happens, and then we think, this is what's probably going to happen. Come on, be honest, I know. We say, this is what will probably be the outcome. It's probably going to turn out like this. But once we turn that to possibly, we've put the comma into the sentence and something can happen. But you also need to understand that hope is not rooted in the outcome. We think hope is rooted in the outcome, which is, it's all going to work out exactly how I wanted it to work out. But you see, you'll never have hope because you'll always doubt Because you've already got a probability established. Hope is not rooted in the outcome, but it's rooted in the unwillingness to use the full stop. So has today been a bad day? Well, here's where hope is rooted. It's the unwillingness to put a full stop. Life is terrible. I'm being on. Life is awful. Full stop. Hope is the unwillingness to use the full stop that says, but, comma, but, 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 but. Now, I believe in that, what Paul said, that faith, hope, and love, that love frees us to use the comma of hope with confidence so that the possibilities of faith drive out and, and drown out the probabilities of screams. First of all, you need to know that you're loved. You know, if there's one message that every Christian church should be bringing out in bottle loads and and no compromise, it's that God loves you, that it was never about you loving God, it was all about Him loving you, and then you work out your spirituality, you work out your journey, you work out what that means from that starting point, not what you do, but what has been done for you. And if you'll begin there, you see, then we come from, we come from that sense of accepted love into a place where maybe the hope, maybe the comma can be put in the sentence instead of the full stop. And maybe then faith can embrace that and say, do you know what, there are possibilities that you've never considered that will come out of this. That's why the man says, who knows? Yeah. Comma? We'll see. Not who knows full stop. We'll see full stop. 
It's who knows, comma, we'll see, was not an expression of pessimism, but a powerful statement of hope. When I come back next, we'll look at how do we nurture hope. All right, so how do we nurture hope? Um, There's there's an interesting little um, statement in one of the stories in the New Testament after Jesus' death before his resurrection. And these guys said that we, we had hope that he would redeem us from our bondage, from what was happening with the Romans and set us free and they were in despair again because of what we said that their hope was backwards and, and backwards hope doesn't work. There's another, another great little story in, uh, in the Old Testament of the Bible about an old prophet who, some of these stories are great, uh, an old prophet who in the time of drought and famine um, went to see a woman who was a widow who all she had was enough sticks to make a fire and she had enough flour, enough oil to to bake one cake for a hungry self before, and the son before she died. And the prophet said something strange. He said, before you do that, take the bit of flour you've got and the bit of oil you've got and bake me a cake first. Now, if she was hopeless, she would have said, that's stupid, I can't do that because she would have had a full stop. There's a famine, we're in a drought, I've got one handful of flour, I've got a small bottle of oil, why do you think I would want to do that? But you see, because she put a comma in there, and then she used what she had to bake the cake to feed the prophet, the story is that while ever that famine and that drought went on, she never was in lack because it began to multiply, because the comma began to release something that gave possibility, not just probability. So, you know... um, in our videos, is that Finding Nemo or Finding Dory? I never watched one. Dory. So that one's Finding Dory. All these fish getting lost. In, in that video, Finding Dory, it was interesting because if only they'd have trusted what was going on, it would have been okay. And sometimes you think the dumb bird is too dumb to do what the dumb bird was given to do when maybe you're a bit dumber than the bird that was sent to do what it was. You see, see, sometimes, if you remember that from the book, it's sometimes you have to trust the process even when it doesn't look very good. And the problem with most of us is when the process doesn't look very good, we won't trust the process. And because we don't trust the process, it's because we have no hope and we've got hopeless. When only sometimes, if you would trust the process, but you would trust it in hope you would find you get a very different outcome. So then how do we nurture hope? Here's a few things just to help you. First of all, accept love. Accept love, that you are loved and God loves you. You have to begin in a place of acceptance. You see, to some degree... When we require love to be proved in certain kinds of ways, and we could argue that God proved his love in giving his son, etc., etc., but the truth is you can know all of that, but unless something inside of you is willing to accept love, whatever love is on offer, it will never be love that you experience because love is something you accept, okay? Love doesn't come in a box. However much you might like it to be, love doesn't come in a flower. 
There might be expressions, but love comes invisibly beyond that and it's something you accept. If you will learn to accept that you are loved deeply, personally and perfectly loved, that God actually loves you, that's the starting point. The second thing is, regardless of what the Beatles sang, and I love the Beatles, love is not all you need, okay? They were not correct. Love is not all you need. Otherwise, Paul would have written, one thing remains. But he didn't. He said, these three remain, faith, hope, and love. Love has to work within a process, and love itself is not enough. Love needs to feed hope, which feeds faith, and that's what changes the outcome. Love may be the greatest of the three, but without hope and faith, it withers in its own naivety and replaces reality with fantasy. So you, I could even get you today to, to accept God loves me, but if that's all you've got... The danger is that it will drive you into a naivety and fantasy about the world and how the world should be and what the world should be. And I guarantee you, before we get to lunchtime Monday, you believe God hates me, God's left me, God doesn't want me because you had a naivety and replace reality with fantasy because of what love is. You see, that love comes to begin to give you hope in the real world of real circumstances that you face to put a real comma in the real sentence so that faith can bring a different possibility into your life. Here's the next thing. Believe in a power outside yourself. Who's familiar with that phrase? Yeah. Yeah. Right, there's all the alcoholics for you. <laughs> That's the key, one of the key phrases of the 12 steps of Alcoholics Anonymous. Believe in a power outside yourself. Why did that become important? Because if we're honest and we take ourselves on the 24-7-365 measure, we need something outside of ourselves. Now, some might argue that outside is inside, but whatever it is, it's something more than just what's going on up here. And in order for hope to be nurtured, you need to believe in a power outside yourself. Or if you don't like that, some of you don't, believe in a power beyond your current experience. Here's the next one. Start replacing the full stops with a comma. Wherever and whenever no is simply a mechanism of self-preservation and protectionism rather than the door to a new day. I accept that no is important and there are times when we must say no. But when that no is simply a mechanism of self-preservation and protectionism rather than a door to a new day, it means that we have shut down the possibility of anything else happening and hope rising in our hearts. Now let me also say that a comma does not determine what is to come. When you put a comma in a sentence, it has not determined what is to come. But it does declare loud and clear that something is yet to come. And that's what hope is. Hope doesn't determine what is to come, but it makes a loud, clear declaration that something is yet to come. That's why hope is so wonderful and powerful. Here's the next one. Stop the pointless exercise of hoping backwards. Stop it. If slapping around the head was legal, some of you I'd like to slap you around the head and say, stop it. You're hoping backwards and hope doesn't work backwards. Hope doesn't actually work forwards. Hope actually works now. You see, the comma goes in the sentence now. That's hope. Where does the comma go? It goes in the sentence now. Hope is for now and hope is nothing more than the comma 
that says loud and clear something is yet to come. I just know something is yet to come. And I'm declaring something is yet to come. And this comma will dictate that something is yet to come if I can put the comma of hope into the sentence. One more. Understand that whenever you replace a full stop with a comma, you are saying yes to life. How do you say yes to life? You put a comma in right where you are. Not where you think you ought to be or where you believe you should be, but right where you are, you put a comma tonight in that place and that is saying yes to life because this is not a sentence that is ended. This is a sentence that's now something else is being written because I'm not going to shut it down. And realise that who knows we'll see is a powerful statement of hope. Some of you need to look at your circumstance tonight that you've already written off and change it to who knows. We'll see. Yeah. Come on. Who knows? You need to literally and actually, in your heart, in your mind, take that comma and put it there in your life right now and say, deep breath, comma. And because I am loved, I can do that. And because I believe in the power outside of myself or at least something beyond my current circumstance I can put the comma because hope is a real thing hope is a powerful thing and hope is one of the only three things that I need and if I can put the hope in place instead of stressing over oh how do I love God how much do I love God how am I supposed to love God instead of stressing over do I have enough faith is there a problem what's wrong with my faith I don't feel I have any faith come right back to the middle and do the thing you can do which is put the comma in the sentence and say who knows we'll see this sentence is not finished yet so when you just take a moment, just a quiet moment, if you want to shut your eyes, you can. If you don't, I don't really care. Just wherever you go in that place on the inside. And I want you to declare something to yourself. I am loved. I am deeply loved. I am unconditionally loved. There is never a moment that I will not be loved. God loves me. And I want you to take a moment to have a look at your heart and say, from now on I will stop hoping backwards. What has happened has happened. I cannot change that. And so whatever hope I have, I'll stop hoping backwards because that's what's disappointing me. That's what's giving me disillusionment. That's what's frustrating me because I'm somehow trying to hope that what brought me to here could be different. Tell yourself in your heart tonight, I'll never do that again. With the help of God, I'll never do that again. And then I want you to take the comma. So how do I take the comma? Well, just imagine it if you need to do. But right where you are in life, imagine this is a sentence and you've come to this point. Don't put a full stop in what has happened up to this moment. But right now, just in the depths of your heart, imagine it if you need to. Take a comma. And just put it in that place. It's the comma of hope. It's the comma that says, this doesn't determine what will be written, but what it's saying is something else can be said. Something else can be written. Something else can occur. 
I believe if you will do that, what happens is that faith begins to change your perspective. To see what you thought was inevitable may not be. And what you thought was probable needn't be. But just maybe what is possible. The rewriting of a story might be different. Because tonight, right now, you can hear the voice of hope. And you can be the voice of hope. And the grace that we've sung about and the falling forward that Joel sung about can be your experience from this moment. Father, I pray it will be alive in every life and it will be a reality as we leave this place tonight. In Jesus' name, amen. Thanks for listening to another Q York podcast. If you've been inspired by what you've heard today, then why not email us at info at qyork.co.uk and let us know who you are and where you're listening from. We love that you're listening to us and we'd love to hear from you too. Did you know you can also watch all of the talks from Q on our YouTube channel? Just go to youtube.com forward slash qchurchyork. We look forward to having you with us again soon. Until then, enjoy the quest.